All right, episode two. Um, this is kind of a mind-blowing conversation uh, with a guy that I just ran into, well, walked into on my way to, to surf one day. Um, we, we talk about how we met in the episode, but Jake is... Um, Jake Ross, who I'm talking to, he's a he's currently a uh, a designer is is how he would term it, but he, he he's basically an artist who um, gets commissioned to do tattoos, murals. Um, him and his girlfriend run a, a a marketing agency, so they they do like logo and and branding and things like that for companies for for new companies, old companies, whatever. Um, but that's not really what we talk about in this episode. It just so happens, like, in the brief couple sentences that we exchanged while trying to catch waves out on the ocean that, that Jake and I had a lot in common. So we're on this small island in off the coast of Bali, and it turns out that both of the women in our lives are, are participating in this yoga training. In my case, Megan was teaching it, as you heard about. And in his case, his girlfriend was... Uh, attending it so she was a student so we have that in common and then we keep talking and we realized hey we were both in the military he was a uh, in the australian navy uh, i was a marine in, in the u.s marine corps and uh, we started talking about stuff our views on on what it's like get now uh what our experiences were like why we joined all that stuff like kind of the really the the bread and butter of a i guess a vet a veteran conversation and and i said hey jake this is like really good shit and um i'm starting this podcast about um essentially my experience getting out of the military and and what i found difficult and and what i'm trying to do with the podcast is is make it easier for people to to find things to spend their life doing hobbies um groups social building social structure would you be interested in talking about this and he's like Hell yeah, man. No, I'm not going to try to do an Australian accent. He's like, hell yeah, man. I'd love to do that. Let's sit down and talk. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we put it together and I get him down and uh, and we have this chat. Uh, we spent about an hour 15 or so just going through Jake's history, uh, what he did, why he did it, what his, what his thought process was the entire time. And we touch on some of the things that I that I talk about in the intro to this podcast um, way back when, two, two episodes ago, about you know, what are the difficulties getting out? How do you how do you view the world while you're in? What are the bonds that you make with people while you're in there? All these things. And, and in these things we're talking about, Jake has a super unique experience where he's a clearance diver, which is for, for anybody who's not familiar with the Australian military is is essentially a, a, um, a special operator. He, he did the stuff that you see people doing in movies in real life with real people and he has this perspective. He, it's just wild to listen to the things he's talking about, all the things that he's been through. Um, he, he was a professional athlete, then he um, had some uh, brain issues, so some TBI issues, decides to get out, goes to school. Um, uh, the defense minister, I believe, he talks about, tells him he should join the military. He like pushes it off, then decides to join. Goes into one of the most elite things in the Australian military. Uh, gets injured uh, doing that, which we talk about, and then he just like rolls into this new. Ast- it's just it's just a pretty wild life. He he's been 
bitten by more animals than fingers that I have, uh, which we mentioned in there. He's uh, he's kind of he he's seen what the other side looks like. He knows what real hardship is, and it's funny to hear his perspective on these things because he just makes it sound like it's it's an everyday type of thing, um, which is really interesting to get inside the the mentality of someone who basically has spent his whole life at at a at an elite tier of things that he's decided to do uh, from from playing professional sports to to being in one of the more elite sectors of of the military to doing what he do, does now and and how he has taken those experiences and transitioned them into into his current life and how it's allowed him to be successful it's um it's a super enlightening conversation. As you can see, I'm kind of, or as you can hear, I'm kind of just nodding in agreement with everything he's saying because every time something new comes up, I, I don't know him that well before this conversation starts. We've only talked maybe once or twice. So as each new topic of conversation comes up, I'm like, holy shit, like, what? like trying to wrap my head around exactly how he's the same age as me, I believe he's 27, 28, how in just over a quarter of a century he was able to rack up all these unbelievable experiences and and just kind of normalize them which is something really interesting that the the human brain does where you're you're living this extreme maybe you're in this extreme scenario but for whatever reason your brain just accepts it as if it's going on whereas if you're someone listening this to for instance jake tell these stories i'm like holy shit, that must have been super intense. Like, I can't believe that that's how, how things went down. He's like, yeah, well, you know, they were just events that happened in life. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's one way to look at it. Anyway, this was an awesome conversation. Um, there's a there's a lot going on. We bounce around a bunch, and uh, and Jake's take on things is, is super great for, for anyone who's getting out of the military, who's trying to transition, who, um, who maybe just has had difficulty in life finding their niche or like interacting with other people all there's great stuff in here for all of you um so depending on your nationality you might have a little bit of a transition with jake's accent which uh which is understandable uh there's a couple things that he says i guess i'll put them in the notes somewhere as a little translation um as to what he actually means, but it's funny. Your brain will adjust over time to, to understand what he says. He's just got a great Australian accent, which makes his stories sound probably even more interesting. Um, we we really finish off for, for anybody who's interested, maybe the younger listeners thinking about going in the military, doing something extreme in their life. We, we kind of finish off with, with what two guys recently out uh, how we view the decision to, to decide to join the military. And I, and I think that that's um, a really beneficial aspect of the conversation where we kind of throw a little advice your way. Take it or leave it. It's just two people, arm, uh, what do you call, armchair quarterbacking uh, our past life decisions. Um, ultimately, it's your decision, but uh, it, it's nice to get, to get a view of a, a couple guys who have had very different experiences in the military, yet still come to pretty similar conclusions. Um, 
other than that, you, you can find Jake at um, on his Instagram, and he, he designs tattoos and does all kinds of great design work. So, so if you like his art, you could definitely reach out, and I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from you and, and do some work with you. But his Instagram's at Jake Ross, J-A-K-E-R-O-S-S dot art, A-R-T. So at Jake Ross dot art, if you want to reach out and, and, uh, and uh, get in touch with them. Okay. That's all that I have to say about the episode. I hope you enjoy it and uh, and you get as much out of it as I did just listening to this guy spin his, his web of stories. Um, so without further ado, here's the episode. Enjoy. Okay, cool. All right, so today um, I have uh, Jake Ross with me who we just met like, I don't know, like three days ago. Yeah. Um, Jake's girlfriend is doing the yoga teacher training that uh, Megan is teaching at. So he was just kind of chilling, and um, we ran in, into each other on our way to surf the other day, and then both got annihilated by some waves and then talked on the way back. And it turned out that um, uh, Jake was in the Australian military. What what branch of service is it? Uh, Clearwater. Navy, so Navy, the Navy, the Australian Navy. Yeah. So it was an uh, Australian Navy clearance diver. So him and I had a, had a lot in common. He, he recently got out within, what, the past couple of years as well? Yeah, uh, four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. Yeah, All right, I didn't weeks. realize it was that recent. <laughs> so he, like, just got out. So I told him about the podcast and, and what I was trying to do and asked if he wanted to be on. Um, and he said, sure, yeah, I'd love to sit down and talk about my thing. So, um, Jake, thanks for being here first off and um why don't you just give us a brief like history of, of where you've been and where you're at now yeah easy um well first of all my whole childhood was our sport okay. um, australians see sport as a religion uh-huh. and yeah i was thrown in the deep end and played afl i trained 24 7 uh for seven days a week uh-huh. um and then when i got to the pinnacle of the sport career Mm-hmm. Uh, I got drafted to AFL and then two years into that mm-hmm. uh, I had an injury yeah. to make me stop playing AFL mm-hmm. so I was kind of in the lure of oh, what am I going to do next yeah how old were you then I was 19 okay yeah and received a pretty heavy blow and got a brain bleed uh-huh. um, so then I was out for a while and then uh, the military kind of struck, struck up while I was at university um, and I kind of went down that avenue and I found, found like, I uh, went straight into clearance diver just for uh, the fitness kind of side of things. Yeah, like you were looking for something a little bit more extreme yeah. than the average military thing. Did, while you were at university, um, you were working on like a four-year degree? Yeah. In, yeah. in what? I was working on creative design. Creative design, which is what you do now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so you were in school and... Um, and a recruiter was there, or you just started looking into the military thing and decided to, to go that route? Now, funny thing was, um, oh, one of my classes, um, to get me over this uh, brain brain injury, mm-hmm. was speech pathology. Okay. And uh, they gave me a topic about um, modern day terrorism. Okay. And, and they said to me that, um, you have to be presenting to a kind of class, kind of um, in parliament, um, of what your findings are and mm-hmm. kind of what avenue you want to take. And, and I didn't realise that um, the director of 
uh, defence minister Stephen Stephen Smith was in the crowd, uh-huh. and he came over to me after the uh, speech and said that um, have you thought about going in, into Intel Army Intel officer? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I've never thought about military. And, um, he was like, I gave his contact email. And he he hit me up over the email saying, um, look, I think it would be really beneficial if you if you came over to the military. This is the head of the Australian Defence Force. Is that? It's like um, say defence minister. So it's um, kind of he's not really in the military. He's just a he's a politician. civilian in charge of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. So he was like, "Hey, man, I think you should do this." Yeah, he and, was like, kind of kicked it that way, and even followed up on an email with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just because he um, he, he was a very passionate man, mm-hmm. extremely passionate. Now um, he just said, "Look." Let's go into army intel officer, and I was like, no, no, I can't, can't do army. I can't do because um, in Australia, or like probably in America too, mm. you go into army, you go into really remote locations. Um, yeah, like the bases aren't as in as great of locations. It seems like yeah. if you if you stay in the navy or even the marine corps, you tend to be closer to the coast for the most part. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And my priority was um, sir. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I'm, go- I'm going to go navy. Because uh-huh. they're they're in the water, they're, they're based in Sydney, good surf there. Mm-hmm. So it was no brainer. So I went to Sydney, um, became Intel in CD, clearance level. Um, so just for um, American listeners, that's like kind of I, I googled around a little bit. It's like it's like a mix between Navy Special Forces and Navy divers. Yeah. Like it's somewhere in the middle of there, like somewhere in like the EOD realm as well. Like. A, li- a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Branch into everything. Cool. Um, so did you finish school before you decided to go in the military, or did you just uh, switch out and then come back? I started doing night school. Um, okay. As soon as I, I was two years in, mm-hmm. uh, joined the military and did the last three years. Yeah. Because um, it was part-time then. Went three years, night schooling. That's cool. So in the Australian military, do you guys, like... What is training like, and how easy was that for you to, to still go to school while you're doing this pretty intense job? Uh, training in the military, um, Australian-wise, is a little bit disappointing for me. Yeah. Um, so you come from this like professional athletic background, so like you're you're ready to, to hit the ground running. That's it. what I thought. So yeah, yeah we were going to dive into the deep end, and mm-hmm. um, as you know, we've all seen. Heavy duty, what is it? Heavy, uh, the American um, movie. How he's getting yelled at and screamed at and full, oh, full metal jacket. Full metal jacket. Yeah. Well, also full metal jacket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like preparing myself mentally before, and I'm like, now I'm gonna get screamed. I'm gonna get called a little girl and yeah, all this kind of stuff. And uh-huh. I'm gonna get pushed to the edge, but it, it really wasn't. It was kind of more um, team bonding and how to work in a team. And because I've had that life of being in a team my whole life. Mm-hmm. Well, I fell into that crowd kind of easy. Um, and then uh, the, the leadership comes in, responsibility comes in. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun, but it, was, it wasn't up to my expectations fitness-wise or, mm-hmm. um, say, like mental barriers. It, was, it wasn't really breaking anything mm-hmm. to me. So it was kind of disappointing, but um, the Australian military are very good with uh, an outside life. Okay. So if you have a degree... Um, They'll support you to go, go to your degree. Um, as long as you make the military a priority. Yeah. They'll support you to 
to do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, do they help pay as well, or do they just kind of give you the time? Uh, only limited. There's only say if you wanted to become a lawyer, accountant. Uh, okay. I, need, I need something beneficial to them. Yeah, if you're pay. gonna work for them using that degree, they pay for it. Yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, so what um, the initial training for that? Do you have to do like? Um, Navy boot camp and then go to diver school or is that how the how the pipeline worked for you? Yeah, yeah you do your first 13 weeks of uh, boot camp mm-hmm. um, which really is just team bonding Yeah. Um, and then as soon as that 13 weeks is up you, you kind of throw in, throw in loo there's either two teams you can go to mm-hmm. um, and I Two got, clearance diver teams? Yeah Okay. and I got chosen to go to team one so I was uh, you kind of sit, sit in loo for about a month and then you start, um, you start 18 weeks of pre-enlistment clearance diving training, mm-hmm. which is just uh, phenomenal testing. Okay. That's where the fitness kicked in. Yeah. Um, and then after that, there's maybe about oh, six months more more training. Okay. Um, but that's really just, it's kind of like survival. Um, they'll drop you in the um, ocean with a blindfold on and you just have to find your way through with uh, Morse code navigation to kind of get get to the beaches and you okay. pass that criteria. So it's like uh, more survival instead yeah. of uh, fitness. Yeah, so in the in the US Marine Corps, we do a lot of land nav, um, which is basically the same thing where they just, but they put you in the woods instead of the middle of the yeah. ocean. I never, had, I never got dropped off in the middle of the ocean anywhere. Uh, and then you had to find your way back. Okay, is there is there a, a high uh, attrition rate? Like, did you see a lot of guys fail out, or did almost everyone make it through? No, most say we had um, roughly around twenty guys okay. get on course first. Mm-hmm. First day of testing, fifty percent drop down. First day. First day, um, because the first day is a pretty heavy. Um, are you going to make the say? 12 months of training, you're gonna you're gonna be actually gonna be, gonna be able to do it. Mm. So the first day is pretty intensive. Um, so first day, 50% dropped out, um, and then over that, it's kind of hard. As soon as you pass that first day, it's kind of hard to um, fail. Mm. But at the end of the day, they, they're only gonna choose out of 20. They're only gonna choose eight. So with 50% dropping, um, still two made it to the end, mm-hmm. but because of something, maybe their mental or something like that, they just yeah. didn't make the team. They they withhold the right to tell anyone that they're not a good fit for it. Yeah. Yeah, there's similar communities like that in the American military. Okay, so, yeah, so you got through it, and then you started working, right? Yeah. So what was that like? Uh, what were the other guys like? I'm guessing it was all guys. Were there any girls in your in your unit? No, there was not. Uh, there wasn't allowed to be girls in our unit. Okay. Um, Recently, they've just changed the law, and the first girl just went through training. Oh, cool! Um, but still, in the in the CD, because I know there's there's a huge thing with the Australian military right now, mm-hmm. is that they've stopped um, gender equality, and they've made girls a priority. Mm-hmm. So um, with enlistment, yeah, there's a similar thing going on in the US. Yeah, it's like yeah. a huge thing now. So I was like, um, but with the clearance diver uh, category, yeah, they've said that. Um, they've made a statement that girls can join, uh-huh. but they're doing the exact same testing as boys, so it's... They're not changing the standard. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way that it should be if they're going to do it at all, right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the first girl passed, so I think she's on now. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so but when you were in, it was all guys. What what was the what was the crew like? Um, yeah, it was a good crew. Um, most of them were say cowboys. Mm. Um, just were there to kind of have that experience to kill things and um, run around and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always say you find if you if you're looking through a piece of shit, you always find a diamond somewhere. So there was um. If you're looking for a piece of shit, you'll always find a diamond somewhere. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like um, so there was some really good dudes in there. Uh huh. Really amazing guys, but there was I was saying to someone the other day, um, he was talking about a fitness program to me, and I was like, oh, in in the military, it doesn't really matter how fit you are, how, how fit your body is, just if you have that mental capacity, you can mm-hmm. be the fittest in that group. So I remember there was uh, my first day, I rocked up there. There was a guy that looked identical to Santa. He was um, Santa. Yeah, he was a big boy. Uh-huh. And um, did you guys have beards? Like, did did you have to shave? We could have beards. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, yeah, he was a large boy. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, we were, we were. They told us like, okay, you have to do three three k's. And I was like, swimming. No, nah, running this one. Okay. And um, so in our three k's, we had to get below nine. Nine minute. Nine minutes. In three kilometers in nine minutes. Yeah. Okay. It's like it was pretty. That's, that's like two. What is that? Like two, almost two miles. Yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. do the conversion later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So nine minutes, three k's. Okay. Yeah. So we had to get, get kind of under that. Um, it's pretty fast. Very fast. And yeah. Most guys you couldn't do it. Like I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah. But that's what the benchmark was. No, if you couldn't reach it, uh, they said the benchmark very low because that's what your goal was. Okay. Um, and I remember uh, running and running with the boys and uh, kind of mucking around, running around, and this uh, large dude nearly overlapped us. He was, I was, oh, I didn't know how he had to engineer the tank. He he did he make the the time? Yeah, he made the time. And he was like <laughs> one of the most unfittest guys I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And he made the time, and I was like, that's why he's on the team. Yeah, yeah. There's some people like that, right? They they don't look the part at all, yeah. and you just assume that they're like a piece of shit, and then they just wreck everyone. And yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. I've experienced some people like that <laughs> in my career as well. You, yeah, that's the classic example of don't judge a book by the cut by its cover. Oh, exactly right. Because you just have no idea. Exactly right. But the team, the guys in the team, there's the whole whole different. It's like you, know, you kind of open up those. Uh, M&M's are sort of M&M's you're going to get those peanuts and mm. um, your crispies and your, your nice ones but um, they all just kind of blend well together and bounce off each other so was, if you're thrown into the deep end as you Marion boys would know mm. that um, you kind of need those different personalities you kind of need those egotistical people and mm-hmm. quiet people yeah someone well. can can excel in, in any given situation that way you yeah. know you kind of have all your bases covered yeah um, do you keep in touch with any of those guys today yeah um, as you would know yeah. um, relationships are pretty hard to keep in the military because you don't see them too often yeah but when you do see them it feels like you've, you've never been apart mm-hmm. so I still keep in touch with them um, not as often as I'd like to mm-hmm. but that's because the military life takes over it's military life first and then civilian life second, so... Um, so they're busy, basically. Yeah, busy guys, yeah. 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 What, um, 
what have you found? So you got out four weeks ago. Well, I got injured. Um, oh, that's right. All right, yeah. Go through the whole the the injury process, like yeah. exactly what happened, and then what was the rehab and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, we were doing workups, um, which means that we we're about to go away for a mission, mm-hmm. um, and we have to do the training for that mission. Um, so we were in workups, just in kind of like a, maybe fifteen kilometers off water. Mm-hmm. Off land, sorry. Mm-hmm. And we were on a dive, and I just dove too deep um, with too much weight, mm-hmm. and uh, three vertebrae um, snapped. Yeah, you said you just like moved weird, and and everything just went the wrong way. Right? Yeah, yeah. I kind of jolted around to look around, or um, I don't, I don't quite remember the experience too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of I moved the wrong way, and I just felt something weird. Um, I didn't know. I had an injury. Uh-huh. I just found something weird, just something really weird happened. I lost all my breath. So then they tie a rope around you and pull you up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So I was in the boat um, with the doctor and he's like, yeah, two of your discs flipped and snapped three of your vertebrae. Mm. So I had, um, I was shipped, shipped back to hospital. And as soon as you get injured in the military, uh, Australian military, you could you put on leave straight away. Mm-hmm. So I was on leave for about six months of uh, just hospital testing yeah uh, basically rehab is your yeah. is your job yeah 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 so i was on rehab each each week i'll just have to turn up once to say i'm here mm. um so as soon as a six month of rehab kind of kicked over uh, they kind of push you back into your role they, they want you to get back in mm. and if you don't if you're not getting better that's when they start uh, transitioning you out of the navy mm. and i was in that loo of um, say for this first part of the injury I couldn't run I couldn't walk I couldn't sit down you couldn't walk even you were in a wheelchair no I was like um, I could walk but it was very very slow and very very sore mm-hmm. so I kind of didn't I just laid down and um, binge watched a lot of Netflix yeah everything like that so it's like um, <laughs> so it's like yeah pretty pretty brutal um for six months, you just going through this process. Yeah, yeah, and then, but I was heavily sedated on pills, so I really wasn't getting out and doing much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as soon as the six months was over, the rehab was over, mm-hmm. we had that meeting, and we were getting better. So I, I couldn't sit down because uh, both legs were going numb. Um, and then when I went to the six month review, I could sit down for five minutes, and then the both legs were going numb. Mm-hmm. Um, I could walk, I couldn't run yet. So I was kind of... You weren't where they wanted you to be. Yeah. Okay. So then they said to me that um, we're going to give you another six months to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so then I had 12 months off in lieu um, of just rehab. Yeah. Just extensive re- rehab. And then at the end of that six months, um, all I did was just add 10 minutes onto my sitting. Um Okay, so a year after the injury, you're at 15 minutes, you can sit without your legs going numb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then, so we kind of went that, um, we can do another year of military service, but it's going to be rehab, which, um, it's fine, because uh, you'd be sitting in a bed, um, getting everything paid for, Mm -hmm. but then in your head, you you kind of, the worst part for me was the, the mental part of all the boys going away and um, seeing the news 
news breaking of what's happening yeah and knowing that this is what the boys are doing so that's what the heart thing was made for and I'm sitting there in bed um Mm. That, that's what really broke it down for me so I said no I couldn't I couldn't say one more year that I'd leave mm-hmm. um, just because I couldn't, couldn't cope mentally with it yeah being away so you decided like I, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore I can't do it right now and it's not cool for me to sit here and watch these guys do it when I feel like I should be there so let me just change my yeah kind of purpose I guess yeah yeah because you know, on rehab my priorities get better yeah. Join the team. And I didn't want that because I knew I couldn't reach that. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to change my values um, mm. and make rehab my own goal. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that, so when did you make that decision? Just a couple months ago? I made that decision maybe five months ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the last five months has just been, we've stopped rehab. Um, at my own pace, I'm doing rehab. Yeah. I've stopped the extensive rehab. Um, and really, the last five months is just paperwork, as you know. that. Um, yeah, it takes a while to get out. Yeah. Get yeah. out of the system. Yeah. Yeah. Military love the paperwork, so mm. you have to get it all ticked off. Mm. So that's what it really was. Well, you seem pretty good. I mean, we uh, we were surfing like three days ago. So yeah. How do you feel? Like, where are you at now? How's your back and stuff? I feel really good now. Um, I still... Through rehab, um, I was still surfing. Oh, cool. Um, not as good as I used to. Sure. Yeah. yeah but um, still surfing. You've been surfing for 14 years, so you can't really take that away from me. Um, with an injury. And, um, so I was like, for the first five months, I was just laying on my tummy and catching catching some good waves. Just, just holding on yeah, the board. Yeah, supermaning it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's doing that. Now, now I'm getting back into the turn. So it's, we're back to really good. Um, but I know that if I surf in the morning or if I kind of do a pleasure, pleasurable thing for myself, then I'll pay for it at night time. So I'm only getting two hours of sleep because of the pain. So if you surf at night, you can't sleep? Yeah, I can't sleep. Or if I um, go for a long run, I feel pretty good. Mm. But at night time, it comes back um, and it's just so much pain. Shit. Yeah. So it's like... Um, and I'm off completely off pills because I want to kind of do it in. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask how that transition went as well. Yeah, that was it was kind of a cold turkey thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was like I got really addicted uh, to sleeping pills to the to the point of if I didn't have a pill, uh, I'll be up. Sleeping pills and pain pills, or the... sleeping pills and pain pills. Yeah. yeah. And um, so if I didn't have an endone, which endone is very uh, as soon as you take one. Uh, it's the drug they give you before surgery. Oh, okay. So as soon as you take one, you count to ten to fall asleep. And I was taking about three of them a night. Whoa. And I still wasn't sleeping. And then because uh, of the pain. Uh, the pain was going away when I was taking it. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't. So I think um, something was just not signaling, signaling mm-hmm. uh, my brain to sleep. Yeah. So I just couldn't get comfortable. So I was having three in it. Um, ramped that up to four and I was having four of these surgery pills before bed and I just felt this um, something weird was happening in my body and I was getting very angry um, 24-7 extremely angry and um, then I was like I'm going to have to stop this kind of stuff because it was ruining a lot of things I I loved 
like your relationships and yeah relationship was taking a bit of a bite yeah um couldn't blame her really i couldn't do it if, yeah if my missus woke up uh, angry at me all the time yeah so couldn't blame her um so i kind of took a bit of a bite but she was supportive through the whole thing um but more more so things i loved as in surfing uh, i used to get really angry at the water mm. um afl um I couldn't watch it. I couldn't. I couldn't. Couldn't love it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know why. I had no idea why. And um, also, like a strange thing, this sex life. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't do it. I was like, um, it's just completely over. It. It yeah, that's that's definitely one of the side effects of those pills. Is yeah, that's on the bottle. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, class A student there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But um, yeah, no. A lot of things that I started loving. Yeah, I mean, that's enough to make anyone go crazy, right? You all of a sudden can't find any enjoyment in all the things that you were doing. Yeah. And you kind of uh, circled back around and realized that it was due to the pills. Due to the pills. Yeah. I said my initial thought was uh, because of those news, because I remember my, first, my injury, mm-hmm. the mission that we're going on. Um, when I was injured, I couldn't do the mission. Um, and I was in the hospital bed. Um, and I saw the news, uh, the boys uh, on the news doing doing what they do. Oh, uh, like, like you caught the news clip of whatever that mission was supposed to be. Yeah, and I was like, that was a bit of a kick in the face. Like, oh, yeah, for shit, sure. Should have been yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but um, and then after that, I uh, cycling to Australia, a huge one, and it was fighting through um, northern Australia. A uh, cyclone. Yeah. AKA a hurricane. Hurricane. Yeah. That's what we call it. Anyway. They hit Northern Australia. And um, that was our our main. If We did a lot of international uh, missions. Mm-hmm. But Australia is very, an extremely independent, say, um, country. We're very big. So it's, if something happens, and we're the ones who get sent. Yeah. Say, um, one of the first missions I ever did was in Sydney CBD and I was living just down the road um, which I thought um, easily that my first mission would be the Middle East yeah it was super weird that my first mission was Sydney CBD was that is that something you can talk about or yeah yeah talk about what what was uh, what was that like what did you have to do it was a hostage situation okay Um, just a uh, Islamic it was known as Islamic um for the Islamic State yeah. chapter. Yeah, I just did a hostage situation in CBD, so it was kind of a stakeout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's wild. You're like, all of a sudden in your backyard, and you're like, oh shit, there's terrorists here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a huge thing for Australia because that's the first, uh, that was a kind of, kind of first uh, Islamic State uh, kind of incident. Yeah. yeah. In the country. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, but then the cyclone hit or hurricane mm-hmm. hit and um, I was still in rehab in the bed watching all the, the flooding going on and um, the, the death tally rise and I was like I know the boys are up there and um, I'm getting um, they're, they're messaging me mm-hmm. all the time of what they're doing and what's happening and I was like so I should be there and I was sitting sitting with a girlfriend and I was a, a bit of a shitty mood um, she turned to me and was like why how can you sad about this like um, what, what, are you, what are you angry about this for? And I was like, because I know they're working their ass off and I'm here, um, still getting paid to sit in rehab. So that's, that's the big movement of why I 
Well, I gave up. Mm. Kind of. I'm trying to get back in. Yeah, just it was just too much to handle. Like, I, I felt guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, okay, so you decided to make the transition, and um, how many years total were you on in the military? Like from the time you signed to the time you got yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Yeah. Um, and that was like, besides night school, that was pretty much your whole life, right? Five and a half years of being a number. Yeah. Just with those guys, like, working every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of surrounded by them. So one of the things that we talked about the other day that I told you that um, I, I've i experienced and, and uh, I have friends that have experienced it. My brother, he was, he was in the military, was this idea that... Um, P- PTSD is a huge issue for for veterans, but also there's this other issue for um, veterans that is basically just loneliness. Like when you get out, all of a sudden you go from this world where you're told what to do every day, who to hang out with, where to live, like all that kind of stuff, um, and then the very next day, it, you had a little bit of a unique experience because you were kind of transitioning the whole time throughout that rehab but um do you think there's any truth to that like oh i think i definitely think so yeah like um to put it in perspective yeah is uh you're inducted to a family um from that day you enlist that bus ride you go to to boot camp Mm -hmm. you can kind of feel like shit what have i done um what did the things that rush through your mind is just fuck up I shouldn't have done this um, shouldn't have joined yeah, yeah but every single person on that on that bus is kind of thinking the exact same thing of what's happening so you kind of you're thrown into the deep end with say 100 people that you sign up yeah so you joined your family um, in that 13 weeks and of oh, oh, um, yeah so you're into a family sense straight away and then as soon as you go to a different team mm-hmm. um, you kind of that's a cool thing with the military um you're all in the same boat. Yeah. You've all got different, like you're all unique. Um, you've all got different things going on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're all in the same boat of what your goals are, what your missions are, mm-hmm. uh, your training. You all got the same goals of training. You got, um, and you can't. You, that's I think that's what you're thrown into a family. Yeah, it kind of bonds you a little bit more. There's there's two there's two things I think there. The one is, it's not um, like a a small decision to decide to join the military you kind of have to weigh a lot of options even if you're a young kid like a teenage I signed my first contract when I was 17 like you were 19 20 right yeah so um, even at that age you do a lot of thinking about it it's not like oh, I guess I'll get a part-time job selling used cars like you don't really need to think that much about yeah. that so you, yeah. but, but when you put that much thought into joining the military and you realize everyone around you put in that much thought you know that even if you have different pasts, different experiences, you all are kind of thinking on the same wavelength. Yeah. Which uh, which makes it easier to bond with those people, right? Exactly right, yeah. And then the other thing, I guess, is especially in the initial boot camp or initial school, whatever that is, it's um, uh, bonding through um, hardship, right? You experience hardship with a bunch of people you become tighter as soon as you do something shitty with someone all of a sudden you have a better sense of who they are as a person and it kind of binds you way more than a pleasant experience ever could yeah yeah 
um, yeah, so both those things exist. So now you're part of this family where you have all these like underlying ideologies are the same. You have some past experiences where you can compare stories. Um, so yeah, it's a great world, right? Where where you have all these things that, that bind you guys together, you have all your differences, so you can kind of learn and, and take from each other. And you know, whenever you meet a new person in that world, that they also have those things, so you have something to talk about. Yeah. Now transition out of the military and you're meeting random people on the side of the street, you don't have any idea what their deal is. Yeah. And I think, because um, that's yeah, it's exactly right, like, You've been thrown into this family environment, mm. and then one day you, you're out of it, and you know what they're doing. Mm. But you can't join. You can't do that. But they're doing. So I think that's the loneliness of the whole, the whole thing of like uh, me sitting in the bed watching mm. those boys on the news. Yeah. Um, so I was like, that's my family, and they're doing that that kind of stuff, and I'm mm. sitting in bed. It's you. You feel let down, but you're letting them down, mm. um, which you aren't. You're definitely not. But that's what yeah. you feel. And then, kind of. Yeah, thrown into the civilian life, and you're meeting meeting people on the side of the road, or um, walking for a surf. Um, I think with the military, kind of, you appreciate every story. So um, you take every single story lightheartedly, um, and every single person you meet um, with a different kind of way of thinking. Say, um, when I met you, yeah, um, I saw that you were a surfer. I saw. Um, that you're on this island as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea you were military. Yeah. But um, I just knew that. Now, what were you, you and I aren't too different. We're here. Yeah. And yeah, we're both here. We both have like girls that are doing this yoga training. <laughs> yeah. We know we have a couple things going on. Yeah. So I was like, um, so like, I respected you straight away. And I think if I if I turned um, twenty and didn't join the military, if I just went into car sales or if I went into a design design degree or finished a design degree and worked at an agency, mm. I wouldn't have that. I'll be I'll be more more constrained. Um, I'll be more so I wouldn't trust trust people too much. Um, but I think that's what the military does now. I think um, if I'm sitting in the bar, I can go talk to people and not really question what they've done in the past or what they're going to do in the future. I'm just talking to them right now, mm. and that's all that matters. So. Um, so I think that's the main thing I learned in the military. Um, <clears throat> you learn you learn that it doesn't matter where people came from. Like, you can find some common ground. Yeah. No matter what, at the current moment. Yeah. Okay. So we're both in the same bar. Um, yeah. Like we came to this bar. Uh-huh. We'll have a beer together. Mm-hmm. Um, anything like that, you can always find mm-hmm. what you have similar similarities to other people, and I think because you're thrown into that bus mm-hmm. of enlistment. With a bunch of people that you thought you'd never, never talk to, mm-hmm. never meet, mm-hmm. and you all made that huge decision to join the military. Yeah. And then joining the team. Um, most of those boys, uh, pre uh, Navy, mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't give the, the second mark. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang out with them. I wouldn't have a beer with them. Mm-hmm. Um, only because different paths we chose, but because we all chose, uh, you meet them, mm-hmm. you kind of, kind of get the sense of, of team, and you realise. That we're all making the same choices, mm-hmm. um, so it's like, yeah, every single person you meet now, yeah, is just you can find so similarities to it. That's interesting. I, I actually hadn't thought of it like that, where you were, uh, 
the military showed you how you could find common ground among people because even this you you look at someone you're like I'm so different from you but now we're doing this same thing so I guess maybe we're not that different yeah that's a that's a great mentality to take out into the civilian world I don't know that I've ever thought of it like that before because I think some people will think the opposite you know I had this experience no one else around me had this experience so I probably don't have anything in common with other people yeah. but you're saying it's the exact opposite now that taught you how you can how you can be um, find a connection with someone else um, so use that to your advantage when you when you meet new people yeah well the main thing for that was because so I had this huge athletic life uh, before military mm-hmm. and we were away on missions um, so there was a there was a gamer next to me having my back and um, you, you know what a gamer is? Yeah, yeah, like video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a gamer right next to me having my back and I was like, in a million, million years, I would only trust another athletic um, person to have my back. Yeah. But I'm relying my whole trust on a gamer. And that's what kind of I was like, and like nothing happened. And, um, mm-hmm. We had full trust mm-hmm. in each other. Um, and that's what kind of made me think like everyone's super different everyone's super unique Mm. but there's always common ground and um, we're always going to find that common ground and we look look to find that common ground I think that's what I took away from military Mm -hmm. yeah that's nice I'm going to store that one away for for my own personal usage (laughs) Um, so how do you stay in touch with the guys that that you were still do you just text every once in a while or yeah mainly texting Um, do you still live by any of them yeah. yeah, yeah. So our um our military training for diving was Northern Sydney, mm-hmm. which is uh, probably one of the best places for surf in Australia. Okay. So um as soon as I got out of the military, I moved maybe three houses away from the training facility. <laughs> so it's, um is that hard? No, nah, not really. I think it's easier. Um, you still see the boys, mm-hmm. and um, you, you're still getting the surf. You're still getting the location which was probably the best thing about mm-hmm. being in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're getting that, but you're not getting um, the bad stuff that comes in the military. So I think for me, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I made that, seeing those news clips, yeah. it was a big kick in the ass for me. Yeah. Of um, my, like, I'm not in charge. I, I can't be in charge. If my life path takes this path, then I have to go that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think that's what my path is completely different now so yeah. I'm just good to see to have a beer with them mm. and that's enough for me that's nice that you, that you can uh, respect that that's there's um, it's a little bit different in the US sometimes because uh, a lot of times we'll get sent somewhere far away from where we grew up like my hometown there's no real Marine Corps base anywhere near it. So the closest place where I did all my training was in Virginia, which was like, um, I think maybe like a five or six hour drive from my hometown. And then when I got stationed, um, once I finished training and got stationed on active duty, um, they put me in Japan. So (laughs) I couldn't get much further away from home. So even once I got out, it was never really an option for me to like kind of hang around that spot in Japan I guess maybe I could have if I really wanted to but it just didn't really make as much sense um, 
but then there's some people you see like these old crusty veterans who maybe uh, spent all their time in North Carolina or I'm just speaking from Marine Corps base experience or like San Diego they spent all their time stationed there so they just move right outside the lines <laughs> and they still wear like their veteran hat every day oh, and, they, yeah. and they go on base to go grocery shopping and stuff like that I don't know I don't know what's better or what's worse I guess it, it depends on um, how you like I think you have a nice you have a nice mix there where you're like yeah I still identify with this thing but it's not who I am anymore but I still have a connection there some people I feel like they can't let go of that former identity even though they've been asked to get out of the military or they retired or whatever yeah. they still view themselves as that service member yeah and then they can't move on you know or on to the next thing so like your next thing is basically you went back to your degree and, and started working for yourself. Um, was that was that tough, or did you just kind of roll right into it? How did, how did that start off for you? No, it doesn't seem tough. Um, say, say I signed a dotted line, and that was tough. Um, mm. Not the sign part, mm. but the months and years after that, yeah, of, of looking of what I did, that was tough, that was a big move. And it doesn't really feel like anything you do now is a big move or um, you've kind of prepared yourself for the worst. And I think that's what the military does to me, um, especially Australian military. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, you boys will get it too of um, on a Friday Friday morning, you, you're preparing, um, say, all the boys are coming over Friday night yeah. for a barbecue. Um, sure. But Friday morning, you rock up to work, the boss has come in and said, boys, we're going to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all your plants get it, get a turmoil, and um, I think that's what the military does. It just makes you think, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like, it's not that bad. The worst thing that's going to happen, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like yeah, the things I do now mm-hmm. is not really a tough decision um, because death was on the line before. So you're taking that out of the equation. So no yeah. matter what happens, it can't be as bad as it. Yeah, they have been. Yeah, and I think um, I always think the same thing. Um, people get asked if they get money put into their account one morning. You get um, a lump sum of money put mm-hmm. into your account. Yeah. Do you think it will change? Do you think uh, it will change who you are? Yeah. And well, I was fortunate enough to get a lump sum put in, put into my account, and it didn't change who I was. And I felt really bad that I got the money, or I felt really bad that something fortunate happened to me. Mm. And um, I was just thinking, you know, now I take into account, no matter what I do, I just think it's not not much of a big leap as I think it is. Um, people say that opening your own business and working for yourself is a huge leap and mm. huge sacrifice. And yes, it is a sacrifice, and it is a big leap, and um, it's hard to get over that line. Yeah, but it's not as big as you, you kind of think. It's um, it's life. I think life is the biggest leap we'll take. Um, you better have fun while you're doing it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> not. Yeah, I don't think of it so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So when you signed your contract uh, to join the Navy, uh, what was the commitment? How many years were you committed? Uh, so is it CD or Intel? Um, it's four years. Okay. Four years of um, enlistment. Um, and then additional two because uh, yeah they say after your four years it's just 
kind of training wise they, they're trying to get you up to the speed mm-hmm. of the four years and then the two if you sign up for another two that's just a uh, mission so um, you have to go overseas for two years and um, so it's kind of a pre-enlistment of four additional two so basically six years yeah so yeah so when you made the decision to to join you said okay well this is what I'm doing with my life for the next six years no matter what yeah and that seemed that's a huge decision uh, like I was in a similar situation where it's this huge chunk of years I know what I'm gonna be doing for the next um, however many years so I guess there's two ways you can look at that right like this is a huge decision and this is the way that it is and uh, and you can be okay with that. And then the other way that I think you can also look at it is you have a guarantee. Because I think that's what a lot of people say is hard about starting your own business is there's no sure thing anymore because now all of a sudden you're working for yourself. When you sign that contract and they let you in, you say, okay, I know that I have a paycheck for the next six years. Yeah. Um, which which is kind of reassuring, but you're right. Like You, you signed that line and you said, Yes, I have a paycheck for the next six years, but I might die in those next in yeah. in those six years. So this is why it's a huge deal. Yeah, well, not many seventeen-year-olds write their own will. Mm. So it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, that that doesn't really come. That it's like okay, yeah, you you have a guaranteed paycheck, but we might ask you to make the ultimate sacrifice, and after you get out that's never going to be asked of you again. So maybe you don't have a guaranteed paycheck, but you can make it work for yourself. But yeah. also you know that your job as a designer is not going to... Put me in yeah, yeah, harm's way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> that's a funny way to look at it. <laughs> um, okay, so the, another aspect of, of kind of what I want to talk about is like, so when you... When you were playing AFL, you identified yourself as a as an athlete, right? Yeah. When you're in the military, you identified yourself as as a, a service member or a guy in the, a diver, right? Yeah. Um, what do you? If someone asks you right now, like, who are you? What do you do? How do you respond to that? Um. Well, I'll get known as an artist. Um, yeah. I don't like to call myself an artist or. Even in the military, I, I never, I never used to say I was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'd kind of, if someone asks what what I did, I'd just say I'm a designer. Yeah. Um, and kind of keep it that simple. I wouldn't go too far into things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a bit of a difficult question. Yeah. Yeah. It sure is. Um, I guess if people just blankly ask you what do you do or like who are you that kind of a, a, a simple answer would work too but if like you're talking to someone over time do you like let on that you identify as a veteran or that you're a former athlete or do you kind of just only talk about where you're at now just where I'm at now yeah um, those things have happened yeah uh, there's been a full stop there so I don't kind of let them say I wouldn't say I'm a former athlete or I would never call myself a veteran um, why not just because I don't think I say, um, say five and a half years, I did a fair bit of service, uh-huh. but um, I don't know. I just I think I, I kind of feel funny calling myself a veteran at such a young age. Yeah, um, I I agree. Yeah, if you feel like it's some dude that's like ninety with that got his leg blown off or yeah. something like that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I'd say you're a veteran, but it's a funny thing. You can be a veteran at 
um, 19 years old. Yeah. You can be, but it just feels funny to me. Um, but I think the hardest thing for me, talking about the past and um, what we did, mm. is that I feel a lot of people think you're a liar um, with, with the things you've done and things you say, and because uh, it's kind of surreal. Um, no one else has those experiences, so I always kind of say, uh, trying to. A big thing for me is I don't talk about myself to the people, mm-hmm. just because I feel I feel like that I'm. Um, uh, they're thinking that I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't say what I've done in the, the military or, or what I did beforehand. Or um, so it's kind of yeah. It's, it's always a tough to, tough question when someone says, uh, "Who are you? Or, what do yeah. you do? Or, what do you I mean, for?" Yeah, it's not like anybody. Yeah. Most of the time, people don't really ask that. <laughs> but but um, the purposes of this, like I'm I'm trying to get, what do you like? What do you think about that? And I get that. It's it's um. I don't say if someone asks me, oh, because because being here, living in Bali, um, every time you meet someone, they're like, okay, well, why are you here? How long have you been here? What do you do? And I tell people, oh, you know, like I'm a trainer and I and I surf occasionally. Yeah. And then if the conversation goes any deeper, I'll let them know, you know, I used to. And usually I'll start off uh, responding very vaguely. I'll be like, yeah, I used to work for the government. And then I'd be like, ah, yeah, I mean, I used to be in the military. And like, <laughs> you know, like, they have to keep prying into yeah. it in order for me to, to kind of let them know what I did. And I don't know if that's uh, good or bad, you know, or neither, really. Should, do you think it would be easier for me to just, or for you to just be like, hey, this is what I did, and then those people can take it or leave it, and if they're not interested, they can leave? Yeah. Well, that's exactly, I did the exact same as you. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, um, like, you're an artist, uh, you're an artist, because uh, I paint um, a yeah. lot. Yeah, um, I, I checked out your Instagram last night. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, they say, you're an artist. Um, what, what, how can you just sit at home and do this? Like, um, what got you up to this? Like, or if I meet someone at the bar, like, what do you do? Uh-huh. I do the exact same as you. He's uh-huh. um, like, I'm just a designer, I'm just designer. Like, oh, did you go to university? They, they ask questions. I was like, oh, well, I kind of, yeah, um, I was in the military for uh, close to six years. Mm-hmm. And um, then they were kind of like, oh, are you military? What are you doing? And that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then I'd go into it. But I would never go up to someone and they said, oh, what do you do? I'd never talk about my past. I'd always talk about what I'm doing mm-hmm. and where I'm going to go. Or um, if they're interested, they'll always ask, I think. But man, I think that's the, that's the weirdest thing because now that I'm out, um, although I've only been out for four weeks officially, but I've had that one year. Yeah, off. you've had a transition. Um, I think most military people are like that because if you're sitting at a bar, like, um, point of the story is Australians go to the bar all the time. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> what I'm getting from you. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm sitting at the bar and talking to some guy about um, just anything about the sports, eventually they're from the military too. Mm. I'm from the military and it's kind of weird I think all military people don't say that I'm in the military apart from those crusty veterans mm. you're talking about um, that go out at sunrise and salute the flag still yeah um, they you, you don't really military people don't really talk about what they do unless they asked yeah and I think part of that is 
this is my perception that you used to walk around in a uniform for the most part, right? So when I'm on a military base, I used to walk around in a uniform and I see everybody else's uniform. And just from looking at their insignia on their collar, their name, like maybe they have a patch or two somewhere, I can say, okay, this guy's been in for this long, does this thing, uh, like is part of this unit. Like I can glean all this information from them right away. So I don't have to ever ask them those questions because I get them right away. And I think that one of the hurdles um, that I've had to overcome uh, for meeting people outside of the military is I don't have that immediate information. And if I look at you, like, okay, I look at you the first time I saw you, I'm like, all right, some guy with, like, tattoos all over his arms. He's got some weird, like, Australian mustache going on. (laughs) Like, it looks like he's a surfer. Like, he's probably just you know, here surfing, right? Yeah. I know nothing actually about you. And then we get to talking and I'm like, oh shit, I have all this stuff in common with this guy. And it's been hard for me to to recognize the fact that I can no longer look at people and judge them by, and that's really what it is, is judge them by the way that they look because no longer that's going to tell me exactly where they came from. Yeah, it's been taken away from you so you can try to dig deeper. Yeah, you got to dig deeper. And you don't want to be that person that just throws all your information out there right away. Yeah. Um, which I guess is is uh, the way that a lot of veterans are. You're right. They kind of hide it. Yeah. And I don't look like I was in the military anymore, especially the U.S. military. Like, I couldn't grow a beard. I had to have a haircut all the time. So, like, now me with long hair, walking around like some kind of dirty hippie, no one even, no one has any idea what I did. And every once in a while I tell them, they're like, they look at me like I'm crazy, like I am a liar. Yeah. Right? So that's why you choose who you're going to tell what to right away because you know some people aren't going to believe you yeah. or they're not going to know what that means or understand what that means so you might as well just try to find some common ground first yeah uh, interesting I think um, the main thing I, I learned was um, same before as an AFL player um, you know it's kind of a, a big deal in Australia mm. it's kind of the same as say yeah, yeah, NBA players in America or uh, your footy players in America, they're, they're known from, like, every girl loves them. Um, it's, it's, they're just known as, like, they're higher than society. Yeah, they're and, famous. Yeah. yeah. And AFL players in Australia are known as that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a young kid going into that, you have that mentality of, um, like, if you're sitting at a party, I'm the most popular person at this party. Yeah. That's what you have the mentality of. It's not, it's not a good mentality at all. At all. And the military brought that down. Um, as a single person, you're unique, but you're not important um, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, it's just like you're not that you're not that important as a person. Mm-hmm. So I think um, where I'm going, like when I saw you, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's this attractive dude mm-hmm. um, sitting on an island. His missus is doing yoga. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got long hair. He's carrying a surfboard. He's, um, so all these things, like, he, he remind me of a guy I would hang out with before uh, military. Someone that I'd be like, oh, man, he, that kid's cool. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, I would never guess you are in the military. Uh-huh. Um, but then you, you were saying all these things, and I was like, that's exactly what life is, isn't it? Like, it puts up a, a book in front of you uh-huh. and says this is how we're supposed to live and this is what we're supposed to do uh-huh. but the book is just complete nonsense and 
say you're in the military. Um, say a small girl, five foot four, she could have been in the military. Yeah. She could have done some um, stuff that. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, so it's like. Um, yeah, it's one thing I, the military taught me was um, kind of. You're yourself, but there's so many other people out in the world that make this world a whole. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it puts you in a seat. Yeah, like all these people are unique. Not, no one is more or less important than you, but maybe they have something that, that binds you all together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now that, I mean, you've only been officially out for four weeks, but how do you feel about the transition? Like, how do you feel like it's going? Are you comfortable? Or are you, is there any desire for you to try to go back? Um, transition's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, for the first, uh, through that rehab period, yeah. I've been told what, uh, you know, you gotta get back. You have to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very stressed. Yeah. Cause I, I thought in my mind I needed to get back, but I'm not getting better. Um, so I was very stressed the whole time of not knowing what, what my future would hold mm-hmm. um, and what's going to be entailed for me and what my path is going to be. I had no idea. Um, and now that the transition's happened um, and I am out, well, I can't say that uh, my life is still on the same track because I've si- been sitting on an island for, for one month now and um, have no idea what I'm doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like that's part of the journey right? yeah, exactly right I think it took me probably like six months to figure out anything yeah um, what to do now well it seems like you're working for yourself now yeah um, you're having some success right yeah um, that's I mean that's pretty awesome that you could throw that together right away you were able to sit back on your degree yeah and kind of get going were you doing design stuff um, while you were still in uh, were you still like drawing and Drawing all the time, and for the first year of military service, mm-hmm. I'd make money on the side tattooing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Just designing them, or were you actually doing it on? Actually tattooing. Okay. Yeah. Um, just for some pocket money. Yeah. Um, you have your own pen, or would you like go into the? No, I have my own pen. <laughs> yeah. And then um, kind of tattoo the boys and um, anyone really, and um, but then. I stopped that and uh, everyone kind of loved what I was drawing and um, to put it in perspective I was drawing maybe like Day of the Dead kind of vibe. Um, Day of the Dead, yeah like a lot of skeletons yeah. and, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and um, the big reason behind uh, my love for skeletons, drawing skeletons and is because a skeleton is just a blank canvas and you don't know their story, you don't know if they're black, if they're white, if they're Hispanic, you don't know anything about it, just a skeleton and that's what I like it. Every single person is exactly the same. We all have a skeleton. Yeah. So I, I, draw, I draw skeletons because it can relate to every single person on this world. Yeah, it could be anyone. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of... Um, I've painted the skeleton, maybe surfing a tube, maybe um, any, sit, sitting down in yoga. But the rest is up to you. I've painted that first base. Mm-hmm. The rest is up to you. So everyone can look at my painting and everyone can have a different experience of... Um, maybe this is, a, this is a black guy um, doing yoga or maybe that's Santa Claus surfing or mm-hmm. they, they, they have a different picture maybe they put themselves in that picture and that's what I like that's awesome that's so uh, 
different than I think most people look at skeletons because they assume you're, you're basically assuming this is a starting place for anything and when most people see a skeleton they think oh that means that's somebody who died yeah or this is something uh, like macabre like a horror movie or something like that yeah. but you have the exact opposite take on it which I, I think that's pretty cool like this is what we if you shed off our skin fat organs everything or we're all just left to like one skeleton yeah and because we're all the same species that thing looks pretty much exactly the same yeah man woman doesn't matter yeah that's awesome man yeah so then um so people got wind of um my kind of style yeah and then through most of the military um, life i was being paid uh, to draw um a lot and even um i had to change because each ship probably America as well. Each ship has different logos. Um, yeah, ship, unit, everyone. Yeah, patches, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting um, asked from government to draw patches for ships and patches for um, task groups, and so I drew a lot of patches and a lot of a lot of ship units and uh-huh. everything like that. And then, um, so I was kind of, yeah, I was super lucky that that my art still carried on because, as you know, uh, military, no matter where you post, Air Force, Navy. Um, army, it's pretty great if you're in a if you're on a boat, mm-hmm. um, or, you, or the other color you really see is ship gray. Yeah, gray or green. Yeah, everything's painted like yeah. olive green. Yeah, and army or in the see Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah, army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was super lucky that um, people still love creative, and um, I went away one time for eight months on a boat. Mm. The whole eight months just sitting on a boat. And um, I was super lucky that um, the command team let me be art, artistic, mm-hmm. and I was painting, drawing, and the whole ship loved it because um, all all you're seeing is water color, and the water water's not that cool when you get get in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's like black. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that fun, and then the ship um, is just grey, so mm-hmm. people are just frothing it. Um, you can turn a blank canvas into something so yeah so kind of create so you got a chance to pretty much draw and create throughout your entire career and then yeah. it was in that, that was that that was an easy transition for you then to get just because you're just continuing what you were always doing it's yeah. not like you're doing anything different yeah yeah um cool so what what are you primarily doing now like whatever people come to you for or? um right now so the tattoo designs i've done um You've done all your designs, right? Yeah, my arm's full and my leg's full. Um, each tattoo means a story. Um, so normally when I tell people that, yeah. um, people bring me stories and I transfer transfer their stories into an art piece. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, to, to kind of give to them. Um, yeah. But for my own for my own part, being in the military, um, you get told what to do, what mm-hmm. to wear, what to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm focusing on my own path and who I really am yeah so I was like um, I need to do something artistic for myself and so that's where I came up with the skeletons and um, painting your own picture I've given you the base mm-hmm. you fill in the rest of the story um, so I've kind of gone down that transition but yeah most clients bring me a story and I just um, I draw up a story for them so they can get tattooed on their body that's a pretty sick job yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you have all the creative license. People are just, I want to tell you about this one time. And then you say, okay, that 
reminds me of, and then you just draw whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. So I got super lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so some of these, some of these drawings, I've had three, uh, some of them are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So the three snake, snails, three snakes in my body. Um, there, you got one on your elbow. Yeah, one, one on the elbow, it, one below the, the knee. Uh-huh. And one right on the ankle. Yeah. And uh, that's where I've been uh, bitten by snakes. You've been bitten three times by snakes. Yeah. <laughs> in Australia, they, they bite you because you stand on a bike accident. Yeah, everything's trying to kill you in Australia. Yeah. 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 And then I've got a um, shark down the shin bone. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got, of, like, stitches on him. Yeah, I've had three um, shark encounters in Australia. Um, Was that in the military or surfing? Surfing or surfing. Um, you get, you one, get bit? Yeah, one bit me, and that's why I got this one here with the stitches. Uh-huh. One bit my leg. Um, and then... So I've got a couple that are pretty brutal stories. I'm going to tell those ones. Okay, yeah. But um, I've got one with two hands in chains with a skull, skull kind of hand. Yeah, that's interesting. And that I've got a twin brother. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of... Um, before the military, we did something really bad. Mm-hmm. And he kind of... He said to me, he's like, oh, Jake, um, we could be doing something bad for this. We could be going away. Um, but he said, I'm going to take the blame because I know um, your life means a lot more. Mm-hmm. I know that you're, you're, like, you're going to the military. I know you've got something sorted. So he said, I'm going to take the blame for it all. And of course, I didn't. I wasn't saying no, no, no. no. Uh, but that, that word that he was saying there just meant that much to me, mm-hmm. that someone could actually do that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was a brother. brother. But... Um, so I kind of got that tattooed to symbolise that uh, we look terrorists, absolute um, fuck ups and things, but we're always together, no matter what we do. And um, there's one year military story um, on the shin. Um, yeah, it's like a skeleton skipper turning the wheel of a smoking a pipe, turning the wheel of a of a boat. And he, um, this one here was. Um, one of the toughest missions I did was we had to go to the Maldives. Yeah. Um, and Maldives is such an amazing place, but as every military person knows... Yeah, we were talking about this yeah. yesterday. <laughs> like, you go to these beautiful countries, <laughs> but you go to the shitty part of the beautiful country. Yeah. yeah. And we were sitting off the island and um, doing crocodile watch. Um, Literally crocodiles? Yeah, okay. we we're, were waiting, like, um, say the locals... They just send one person out on this island we were at. Um, they send one person out and they travel around the island um, looking for crocodiles while everyone else sleeps. Um, so then we went on Crocodile Watch. And it's a huge pirate um, highway through, say, uh, Pakistan, Cambodia, Maldives, um, all, all that area. It's a huge, huge drug, drug, sex, everything like that highway. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting off there on Crocodile Watch and it was just me one of the locals and another guy in this little little small boat and one of the pirates um, all we see is this pirate boat come up and pirate boat as you probably know is a pretty expensive boat um, yeah it was just like a speed boat yeah 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 and they came flying up and we, we didn't know who it was they were just flashing a light on them and just we, and we just started getting shot at mm. um, so we were just laying down in this little tinny with this small gun firing back and we just had these um, pirates just trying to shoot shoot us up. So that kind of tattoo is like, um, I got shot too, uh-huh. I got hit. Um, 
and that kind of that kind of tattoo just symbolises that. Um, that was just probably the, that was that was a tough little mission. Yeah. Um, because they shot up the boat, we were stuck. We were stuck out for three days, so we, we had nothing to do for three days apart from just laying laying in this small boat, uh-huh. um, trying to get back to back to land, and that kind of um, that whole mission kind of tied into that tattoo of um, it's just sinking, just yeah. a sinking, yeah, almost close to death, just yeah. sinking, but he's still smoking a pipe like. I'm dying, but I'm gonna have a fun time. Were you worried that you were gonna come back from that one? Yeah, I was pretty worried. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was pretty worried what what was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was worried more so that um, people were gonna come back when it was stuck. So more pirates gonna come back and mm-hmm. um, finish the job. But I think those pirates were just traveling around looking for something to do. Okay. Um, so we were pretty lucky in that kind of sense, but um, we were talking about it the other day too that um, when you're in those situations, mm-hmm. um, not many people would think about um, like, oh, you're in this situation, you're about to die. What do you reckon the last thing you'd be thinking about? Yeah. No one, under, no one, no one can honestly answer that apart from um, say a large majority of military people. Yeah. And the th- first thing that came to my mind of if I was going to die. Mm-hmm was um, I'd miss a sale at Woolworths or Coles yeah. or um, what, do you, what do you guys call them? We have Coles, we have, I think we still have Woolworths, but like a department store, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I missed so much walking down the aisle and seeing, seeing a sale sign mm-hmm. of, of Kit Kats or something like that. I just like missed that. The most mundane thing. Yeah. yeah, and then the feel of grass, I just missed that. And those are the two things that I missed mm-hmm. uh, so much and I just didn't understand. But I think that just meant freedom. Um, yeah, to choose, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then so yeah, you get you get the bum steers sometimes. You get you get rough deals. Mm-hmm. But um, you with me, um, some of the bad experiences in my life, I've turned them into a creative piece and absolutely love them. So I think shine light on the shine light on the darkness. Yeah, that's like a great way to look at. It. Let's take let's find this silver lining this otherwise shitty experience because hey you made it out on the other side but uh and it was it wasn't a great experience but let's look at the bright side of that and see what you learned from it what something beautiful can come out of that you have a new perspective and now you have a nice piece of art yeah with you <laughs> yeah definitely uh, that's cool um all right man uh we've been talking for like uh, over an hour already. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna f- finish up with one question and then uh, we'll like you can like tell people where you're at on Instagram and stuff. They wanna, you know, whenever I finally post this up, yeah, they, yeah. Can, they can contact you and tell you your, their story and you can make them a tattoo. Yeah, easy. Um, so uh, we we both know someone who's thinking about getting in getting them into a mil- into the military. He's he's like you know, a young kid, um, what, what is your response when someone asks you just, Hey, should I join? Or was this, a, is this a good decision? Or, you know, what, what, a what kind of response do you usually give a kid who's thinking about joining? Uh, usually I give the experience of, um, say for this guy that we both know that's, that want to join. Mm. He's very, um, already super patriotic. Um, and he, he, 
he comes to me and says that uh, I want to join um, kind of special up straight away. I want to, I want to do this um, bit at the top of the game. And I've said to him, I can't, um, that like, it's cool that you want to join, but it's a big, it's a big deal. Um, to kind of, it's not like um, getting a, a nine to five job. Right. And it's not, it is not as easy as that. Mm-hmm. It's putting your life on hold. Um, not really on hold, on stop. Um, for the next six years, yeah, I know That's what you mean. Is. Like, you, it's when you join the military, a whole different kind of road opens up for you and everything else that's in normal life is kind of put on hold. You can grow a little bit. Like yeah. You can still continue a relationship, maybe start a family, but it's not the same because all of a sudden 90% of your attention is going towards this whole, this yeah. other thing. Yeah, like he built this path. So he's built this path. He's on this island with um, doing a cafe and... Yeah. Um, he's, he, it, it's just he's got this path now, but he's going to take a leap to a different path. And yeah. um, I think that's what I tell him. I tell him my experience of all the friends you have now, um, pre military, mm-hmm. I've lost probably 95% of them. Yeah, I think I have like two friends that I stay in touch with. Yeah. So it's like, um, the, the, I said to him, he was like, uh, it's, a big, it's a big thing. Just talk to your family, really, because the family are the only ones who are going to stick around. Yeah. Um, so it's tough talking to someone that wants to join. I think. Yeah. I think it is really tough. One of the initial conversations I had with him was, you know, look, I get it, right? Because in modern society, we don't have kind of a rite of passage for men anymore. So a lot of times you find a guy like that who's kind of, who's alpha, who like wants to prove himself, who wants to like have an experience and show that they're, that they're masculine, really manly, right? So because we don't have this standard uh, rite of passage that all men have to go through, like the Aborigines do the walkabout, or yeah. like the Native Americans have their thing, like all cultures from the past have their own thing. A lot of guys will look to the military and say, okay, maybe this is my chance to like see what I'm made of, to like prove to myself. And more than anything, I find that it's people prove to themselves that they have what it takes to do this kind of elite thing. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I get that. Like, if that's what you're looking for, I absolutely get that. But just so you know, you're going to get to a certain point in your career and you're going to realize that everything you wanted was here on yeah. this island yeah. you know and maybe you need to go through that journey to come to that realization and you'll never fully appreciate this for what it is until you've been through that yeah I, and I and I told him you know for there's going to be pros there's going to be cons there's going to be whatever but I put my money on you coming to that realization yeah well that's what I said to him too because um, he was saying to me that he's, he wants to, he just wants to be um, elite and he wants to Saying to me, he wants to kill. He wants to. He wants to prove himself in the world, and that's what he, he wants to do. The biggest thing, and he wants to. Um, that mentality of, um, I'm a machine. I need to go out and um, rack up points, as I was saying, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I said, I said to him, I was like, look, I've met people like you, like um, with that joining up, but I said to him, I said, that's the fifty percent of people. That didn't didn't pass um, <laughs> our course, 
Um, with that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you come into a mentality of that um, you already know what you're doing and you've already got a goal before you've even, you've even got in. Um, and that goal is not a good thing. Um, so you can talk to us and mm. say if, when we went overseas to, uh, to war zones, mm. um, yeah, there was insane places, but that's where the shit stories come from. Mm. Um, but amazing stories. And he's put his goal into a shit situation already, which is, I find, really tough for him. Mm. And I think he, I said to him, for the first two years, man, it's just training. At least, right? Yeah. Mm. So are you going to have that mentality to, to sit um, doing your, your homework or are you going to have that mentality to polish your boots? Yeah, clean your rifle for yeah. the 50th time in a day. Yeah, or wake up... Um, and now earlier to iron your bed sheets. Yeah, you the think? mundane yeah. stuff. Yeah, because yeah. they're the important things. Mm-hmm. They are the important thing. Now that I'm out, I know they're the important things. Making your bed every morning is one of the most important things I do in my life. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I always make sure that I'm up half an hour before my alarm goes off to make that bed. Mm. And um, I said to him, I was like, they're the things that you're going to, you can't go in with a huge goal already. You're going to have to go in with an open mind because that's what the military is. Um, as as you as you say, you get on that bus. Fuck! What have I done? Mm-hmm. You don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. He's coming to a goal already. Of, um, he wants to go to a war zone. Yeah. And he wants to prove himself in that war zone. And I was like, you kind of put yourself as as a single person. Where in the military, as I was saying, as a single person, you're not that important. As a team, you are important. Yeah. And that's why they they I said to him, I was like. I wouldn't really say this kind of stuff, just think about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, because first day of military, I met a lot of people like you, and then the 50% that didn't make the course because um, people saw them, but you're in it for yourself. Yeah. And uh, military, and they're like team players, depending what role you're in. Yeah it, yeah, it doesn't even matter if you're the leader of the team or the lowest guy on the totem pole. Like, you need to look at the, the health of, the, of your unit as greater than yourself yeah no matter what yeah yeah but I think you hit the nail on the head I think it's it, um, people that want to go into the military to prove himself aren't appreciating what they have in life right now and maybe that military experience is going to make them appreciate mm-hmm. but you don't need to come to that to appreciate life because you could end your life yeah that's true it's you do you need to play with the most serious consequence in order to come to the realization that you have everything yeah. you need it's so tough and it's you and I could sit here and talk about that all day yeah but it doesn't matter someone it's like uh, that story or that analogy people use about pissing on an electric fence you ever hear that yeah like some people you can tell them the, the fence is electric and they'll stay away from it but there's a lot of people who need to piss on it for themselves and get electrocuted yeah in order yeah. to learn their lessons <laughs> yeah exactly right. so, yeah so that must be where it is all right man um Thanks, I really appreciate it uh, that you that you took the time to talk. Um, you have like a lot of great stories and experiences. I think that there's a lot that people can take from this. Um, before I turn this recording off, uh, where can people contact you if they if they're interested in your art or or whatever? Just want to say thanks for your service or whatever. Yeah, just for a talk. Um, yeah. Normally, the Instagrams uh, Jake Ross. Jake Ross. Dot art. 
jakeross.r. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I put that in the description yeah. as well. Anybody who wants to talk, I'm always, yeah. always up for a talk. I don't like talking about myself too much, so I was a little bit nervous of you asking, but thank you very much uh, for asking. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think you have an awesome idea here. Yeah. I think it's going to take off, so. I yeah. hope so. That's yeah, cool. I was absolutely thrilled. Thrilled. Yeah, and, yeah um, man. So now, thank you very much for everything, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, okay, everyone, until next time, uh, thanks for listening.